What's good, everybody? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican powerhouse himself. Christian Joel Ramos back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to discuss the new Marvel series, uh, well, MCU film, I should say, of the Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium. It's technically the third Ant-Man movie, but it's the second Ant-Man and the Wasp film. And let's just say this movie has me with some split opinions, and I'll tell you why. If you shut your brain off and watch the film, you're going to enjoy it. I'm not saying it's brainless, mindless entertainment, but it definitely is a a popcorn flick, as I like to call it. It's not going to be that deep. It's not going to be Endgame's level crazy. I know the introduction to Khan was a huge one for this film and huge uh, task to live up to. But with that being said, let's just break it down bit by bit so we can really get a piece of it. what went well, what didn't work out, and what was a complete miss. Now, coming out of theater, I enjoyed the film. I saw premiere night. I was there, and I slept with both my buddies who were listening to my podcast and, uh, normally, and they both hated the film. I'm not going to lie to you. They were not really impressed by it. They wanted it, the film to be really good, but that's where they kind of tempered my expectations. Like, mind you, Peyton Reed, great director. Lo- love him as a director here, and this is a Kevin Feige produced, Stephen Broussard script here. We definitely have a great lineup. I mean, it, it was a successful film. It made the money. It made broke all expectations because it made like what three million the first week. But of course it did because we set up the Khan villain, right? The Khan, 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 sorry, Kang, not Khan, Kang the Conqueror, son of a tongue twister, and. He was set up in the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. But if you didn't watch the Loki series, which I highly doubt, I feel like everybody watches MCU everything. Even the Fairweather Marvel fans watched the Loki series and loved it. I know I loved it. I thought it was hysterically fun, whimsical, also wacky and zany. It was very much in my realm. Okay? Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that being said, there hasn't been much movement when it comes to um shoot what do i say um marvel had focused more on tv the last couple of years especially during the pandemic and now they're getting back into like the blockbusters because they, they have released films but sparingly now they're restructuring their after uh bob uh chapic kind of ruined the whole thing so i had to bring back bob Iger to fix and and fire over seven thousand people that's some crazy ass news coming out of marvel but if that's what it takes for disney to get things back in order and rearrange release dates of the Marvels, which is the Quasar, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel team up film was going to come out in June or July. It got pushed back to November for Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm like, okay, so at least they're give their space in these films out. So you're not going to get like too overwhelmed or have to pick and choose. You're going to probably see them all because they're spread out evenly, especially with families. When I go to theaters, it doesn't get cheap. So with that being said, I, I personally had fun with the film. Was it a perfect film? No. There was a lot of things I could nitpick. And let's just, let's just start with, with the plot. All right. So during her days of entrapment in the Kronom realm, Janet Van Dyne encounters Kang, an exiled traveler, who claims that they can both escape from the realm if she can help him rebuild his multiversal power core. So this thing is definitely an electric car. <laughs> it needs a battery. To, and he needs her science to help build it, which I get it. It's, uh, again, this is back in the 80s or 90s, I believe, when she got trapped in the, in the quantum realm. And Kang, back then, we didn't know he was the Kang of 
now, right? This is like the whole thing of it. Um, and she saved his life, and they, they become friends, and then we go to modern day, present day Battle of Earth, Scott Lang has become a successful memoirist, writing a self-help, or I guess you can say journal, he, he published a book, and that's made him money, that's a success, the author now, and he's living happily with his girlfriend, Hope Van Dyne, and she's now running uh, Pym Enterprises, as, you know, as Hank Pym's retiring, because up getting up there in age, but Lang's now teenage daughter, Cassie, has become an activist. Of course, she's from San Francisco, so, you know, super liberal. And that's not what, like, irked me about the character. It wasn't, like, her activism. It was the miscasting of Cassie. What the hell happened to the previous girl that was two minutes into Infinity War? She was great. I, I, I guess she was older and they need somebody to play a high schooler. I don't know. They, they kind of, like, need somebody that looks the part. But the Girl, they got now. The current actress is twenty six herself. She ain't exactly uh, a teen. Like this is a young, great actress, Catherine Newen. Very great in Detective Pikachu and other things she's done. She's supposed to play eight year old Cassie. I'm like, all right, you know, eight year difference. I guess that works. It, it's again, like she can look the part, but there was just not the chemistry there. Like, she was an annoying character throughout the whole film. And not annoying in the way that a lot of guys on podcasts complain about limited roles. No, she was just awkward. Like, very awkwardly, like, do I belong here? Like, she made faces like, what am I doing here? In certain scenes, like, literally just felt like she was out of place. And she's like, how am I even in this movie? Like, that's the dullness of, she, like, not wanting to be there. And she, you could read it through her emotions. Like, she just had to a wooden face and very much scenes where we needed some emotion, whether it was happiness, sadness, and it just felt like, uh, what was my line again? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that kind of face. And again, she's great in other films. This was just not her realm. And I think the fact you got so many lines in this movie really worked against her, which you're, that shouldn't really happen because with the other superhero and their protégés, uh, let's see, Hawkeye was a great series with uh, having a young rookie that he's training, but the chemistry was there, you know, but again, I'm not comparing actors here. I'm just saying that you have to match them up with their counterpart. And Paul Rudd's a great actor. He can work with anybody, but I feel like in this film, the Cassie character just didn't feel like the Cassie that we've grown to know. Granted, she was like six in the first film and then time jumped into like her teenage years, right? But, I just feel like this was just a miscasting because they went with a bigger name actor in Catherine versus the previous actor who was in the second film. And again, even if you're going to recast, you got to do this whole like chemistry thing because not that I couldn't believe Paul Rudd couldn't be her dad. I just felt like she just didn't fit right with, with Paul Rudd. Like there wasn't believability there. Now, outside from that, there were some cringe dialogue, some bad jokes. Again, this is a glorified B-movie as far as I'm concerned for a hero. Like, Ant-Man's always been the hero that kind of makes fun of himself. Like, very much like, I'm not exactly Spider-Man. People call me that, and that I know what I did. I see, I helped save the universe, whatever. So, he's gone past his, like, self-doubt. Now he's, like, a hero hero. Everybody knows this. But the whole film is just Cassie being a spoiled brat, pretty much, like looking for attention, getting arrested because she feels like he's not using his power to save the world anymore. Now that the biggest threat on the universe, Thanos, is quit. Like, let the man take some time off. Like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to be a hero at the moment because he's focusing on 
having a normal life, and maybe he kind of wants a normal life. I don't think you don't want to just jump back into a freaking uh, super crazy-ass uh, villain art. <laughs> like, I, I think he just wants to take it easy, and she doesn't understand that because, of course, she's young, and she wants to see him be, like, the Ant-Man that she knows he can be. And great, you see the best in your parents and stuff. And again, he's not a loser. The guy's a published author, but this stuff is minuscule to her because he, she, she's focusing on the heroism part of what he is as a person, like not that he just could use some normality in his life because she hasn't been through the same things that he has. And again, kid just felt the script wasn't good. Like it was just like. I feel like Cassie in the previous two films loved her dad so much unconditionally. And this one, you start to see a teenager not even just rebelling, but resenting her dad for just kind of like taking it easy. And like, you know what? People work hard and sometimes they just want some time off. Like, you just gotta have more compassion for your pops. And she's out here being an activist, getting arrested, and multiple times her grandparents are covering for him. I mean, get, this is clever stuff here with like the grandparents want her to be super independent and strong and they eventually gives her her own super suit and again the, the the whole plot of casting this film is more annoying than like than whimsical or more like again teenagers are annoying i will say that a lot of teenagers are pissed off of adults it's just part of the facts of life so that's not out of character for a teenager i'm just saying for the daughter of a superhero to not have a little bit more empathy for their dad like yeah 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 i get it He's a hero. He can should be fighting crime. Did not to get it easy because the world's still gonna you know needs help and Ant Man can help. And again, they're trying to live normal lives. You got Hope, the Wasp was trying to run a corporation. You got Ant Man just trying to like be the best visible dad for his daughter. He hasn't seen her in years because of the blip. So she definitely he definitely lost a few years with her, and he's trying to make up by having a normal upbringing, but she's over it she's like no dad those years are over you can't make up luck just let's just go back to you being a hero and that's the big dichotomy the, the whole plot of the film is just family but not in the fast and the furious way and that's where things get a little bit weird because the villain is kang the conqueror supposed to be this giant like thanos stronger than thanos level boss and he gets easily i'm gonna just jump to it take it down by an army of ants and Ant-Man's family, the Ant family, towards the end of the movie. And that's what took a lot of friends out. But that's not what took me out a little bit. What took me out is Kang was a great villain talking about all his diabolical plans and what he wants to do. This son of a gun couldn't even, like, plot hole, I guess. He he was cutting people up with these laser laser cannons that are from his hands, right? But as soon as the Ant-Man, our protagonist, approached them, he stopped. Like, why did you stop? You could laser them and get rid of the ant, too. Like, if, if you're that close to the Ant-Man, at least try, like, just after you're aiming at them and let Ant-Man, like, you know, shrink and dodge it. But that's the minimal. Like, the CGI was also trash in this film compared to, like, when, when my last, the last movie that I saw, there was heavy CGI, was Avatar, uh, The Way of the Water. Let me just tell you something. That CGI was amazing, and I can see why it took 10-plus years to make the second film, because they really put their money into that. This movie looked like it was low-budget, and they really did not do a great job with the CGI. The jokes are hit or miss. Again, corny jokes are part of Ant-Man's repertoire, but I feel like they're way funnier in the first film and the second film. Then my biggest gripe, I will say, where the hell was 
Luis. Like, Luis was nowhere in sight. And I know T.I. was, there was some legal drama during the filming, and you could have brought back, brought back at least Luis just in the end of the birthday scene where Cassie and them were celebrating her fake birthday. And um, what was the other guy? Uh, his name, Daniel Mishmilson. I cannot pronounce the guy's name. Uh, he was in, uh, I believe, he was the, the Russian guy, right? And um, he, he was funny. But I feel like they didn't want to like focus on that. Because they're, it's all about the quantum realm, and uh, I, I don't know, man. They, they, there is elements that were missing from the first two films of this one. Kang was amazing. Jonathan Majors, great as Kang. He, that, he knocked it the park. This is an amazing role for him, and I knew he could handle it when I saw him do this in Loki, and also the introduction, of, introduction, and um, I guess the final appearance of Modok was. The yellow, the actor that played Yellow Jacket, right? He comes in this film. He he didn't die. He just got turned to Modok, like he was just shrinking in weird ways, and that's why his body's all warped. And he was rebuilt by Kang and turned into the ultimate killing weapon. And I'm like, what? That was kind of funny because Kevin Klein, not Kevin Klein, was uh, the actor that played uh, Modok in this. Uh, I forget his name. I got an IMDb. Corey Stoll, that was his name. He was Darren and became Yellowjack in the, you know, the first film, and he got shrunk so small he ended up in the quantum realm and became this strange Modoc creature. And Mo- Darren Cross was the right Modoc. I'm like, what the heck? That was cool. They introduced him, and then he pretty much dies in the first in the movie. Like, he just dies in the end. Like, all right, so if we're dealing with time traveling, I'll probably come back up again. And they could bring him back. And Modoc was just like introduced and killed in this one film. And I'm just like, all right, so this is how we're gonna do this. You're gonna, and then it was with Cassie saying like a funny quirky line, like stop being a dick, and you know you can change your life around. So I just like to change. And like that was kind of adorable and funny and awkward and all in one sitting. But and then Modoc just kind of like he's like in the end dies and. <laughs> And, uh, but before he dies, he, like, he's like, I can't believe I at least died in Avenger. And Ant-Man's like, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. As yes, they're like, funny moment, but just like, again, the film felt like they weren't trying hard enough, man. Like, I don't want to be hard. It's the first film in Phase 5, but it didn't have high expectations. I just wanted it to be in the same tone as the first two Ant-Man movies. And it just didn't really do that for me. Like, this is definitely the worst of the three Ant-Man movies. I liked the first one the most. Second one was still pretty cool, and this one was just kind of just I don't know, man. Marvel's mo- mojo's not been there. Like it's really, again, I like the movie, but I can see where there are plot holes, where there are there's parts of the film that could be better. But again, was it enjoyable? Absolutely. Did I have a ball? Yes. That the creatures, the world of the quantum realm was cool. The visuals, but again. CGI could use a little bit more work to not look too green screen and very much a lot of parts. And people say, oh, the comparison of Lava Girl, Shark Boy, like Shark Boy, Lava Girl. Like, no, no, no. The Quantum Realm was pre Shark Boy, Lava Boy. Let's put it that out there. So, if anything, Shark Boy, Lava Boy copied the Quantum Realm because all those creatures that are in those kids' movies were in the Jack Kirby, uh, Ant Man, and Stan Lee comics way back in the 60s, 70s. So, let's not get it twisted, okay? So, the quantum realm was first. If they were inspired, that's fine. But don't say one was the other because one became a movie first. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that being said, I can't hold that against them. 
that there was no MCU before. Like, what, Shark Boy Long Girl was what, 2003, 2004, and the first MCU movie was Iron Man in 2008? You know, it's like, come on. You're not gonna just do start off with Ant Man to start off the MCU in phase one, are you? You gotta pick somebody that's a little well known to gain the trust to get to that level. But again, this movie was fun. It was a three out of five star film. That's what my my friend would be side, and most people will agree. It's mid, nothing terrible about being mid for their first movie in phase five. Could have been better. Again, there's little things you could have fixed, absolutely, and the movie would have been a home run, but they just almost had it and again michael pena wasn't available for that for like a just to give us a wrap-up that's all i wanted i wanted an after credit scene where Luis coming out of there where just giving the the little wrap-up as he's talking about ant-man's like life and stuff no none of that and i didn't care about uh david dismulsion's kurt character or ti's dave's character those were like here and there, but you had to have Luis on the scene. That's the one thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cling on to. Like, that would have saved so much of the movie in the end. But again, this movie, they really are. Again, this is a David Chapek film. It wasn't under Bob Iger's, uh, or even Kevin. I mean, it still wasn't under Kevin Feige's uh, guard. So let's not get twisted. Feige is just trying to cut down on shows now. He's realizing that these MCU shows for Disney Plus are not working for him, they're working against him. And then you have those, like, super alt-right people who are, like, saying, these shows are getting too woke. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of, like, over these assholes. Like, I really am. Like, you guys, I know you think that everything's a woke agenda, but let me just tell you something. The entire MCU was birthed on woke agendas. It's called the Civil Rights Movement. Look it up. The X-Men was literally based off that. Like, you cannot deny that Marvel has always been on the side of progress and tackling difficult issues in the skies of superheroes and spandex that's just what they've always been and if you just notice that now you have not been reading comics the last 50 years <laughs> that's the thing it's like well they're pushing the agendas more than ever like well yeah the world's getting more i guess transparent with social media and the news and youtube and twitter like listen it's hitting you in the head because you're looking it up on your free time as well if you just watch the movie for what it was, just entertainment, and just don't take anything out of it, you're not really dissecting film. Like, a lot of films tackle stuff like this. Like, Star Wars was about freaking Nazi Germany. The Stormtroopers' names literally come from what the Nazi soldier called back in World War II. Like, this is not... A, this is That was a very blatant thing that shows up in Star Wars. I and mean, even people complain about Star Wars going out to I get bad script writing and all that stuff, but it's just like... The tones and stuff, like, that, people got to re realize that Hollywood has always been very liberal and it's always been very much on the side of touching the hot topic stuff because it's very much like, hey, let's talk about it. Even if it's, it's, even if it's awkward, at least we're getting out there so we can have a start conversation and it definitely works. But this movie wasn't that. This movie wasn't trying to push any agendas. It was just a cheesy family superhero movie that really needed a little bit better script writing and a little bit better joke writing like it just did not it's hard to it's hard to get three home runs you're gonna have a misstep usually happens a second film the third film you kind of uh you kind of get your um your win back but this one it's almost like they skated so much that they kind of veered off the path. And again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and they're trying to make, again, Kang this world-ending villain. He's supposed to be in the comic books. 
bigger deal than Thanos, and he felt like a second fiddle, like a second-rate villain to Ant-Man. And again, one thing I said to people is, you, the one thing in war, you never underestimate your enemy. And Ant-Man, what he lacked in power, what he lacked in strength, whatever he had in cunningness and in, in, in never giving up and outsmarting his enemy. I thought he was more powerful because Kang's whole thing is he's just full of hubris and he thinks he's a god like among men. And that's the thing. He's very... That's one of the end credit scenes. You gotta wait. There's two of them where you see in a whole like arena full of Kangs from different Kangs from different uh, universes. And again, the Kang character worked. It's just the way he went on the film. It's so he felt like he went on like a second-rate henchman. He didn't go out like a villain. Like it, it, it almost felt like they should have trapped him again or something like that. But they kind of accidentally killed him off. And again, I get it. But I don't get it because if this is supposed to be the Kang the Conqueror, he comes off like any other Marvel villain. And again, he's supposed to be the big bad for this phase. You want to escape him. You don't want to defeat him because if he's easier to defeat, now you're just making a numbers game. Oh, we got to defeat a thousand more Kangs. Like no, this should be this guy should be the one. The other Kang should not matter. This is the one that got exiled. This is the one that we are fearing. Because he's the one that wants to destroy all the universes. So, that being said, the villain's origin was great, but the execution of him using him in the film was not. And that's something I do agree with my friends who complain about it. So, that being said, this movie was okay. Again, a lot of hits, a lot of misses. But I don't think people are going to complain when they watch it, because it's obviously successful and it's got a great rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So, Fan rating, I'm not just saying, not critic ratings. Critics aren't actually wrong in this one because I can't agree with them. The movie was bleh, and there's nothing wrong with bleh movies, but if you're the MCU, you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars in these bad boys, you don't want bleh movies. You want people to actually say, this wasn't mid, this is actually good, this is great, this is amazing. Those are the three ratings you'd want. You don't want okay. You know why? Because it looks like you're resting your laurels. That's what it looks like. And again, I do not want to roast the movie any longer, but... Is it worth watching with your family? Hell yeah. It's a fun, mindless film like Fast and the Furious or any other blockbusters people are going to watch, to be honest. But if you're going to go in there expecting a deep story, uh, it, it, it tried getting there, but then it really reached the finish line on that part. Um, the villain was amazing. The uh, chemistry among the cast, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, perfect. You know, uh, her Douglas was pretty much a badass in the film. Paul Rudd was... Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly was Wasp with a new haircut, you know? And again, it's they all did great. The only complaints I really had were execution of certain scenes and, like, how they try to, like, pull off this bad CGI and, with, with, I don't know, budget cuts, I guess you could say. But also the casting of Cassie. Again, this character, Disney for her, I feel like she'd be better off playing a different character, but this actor, this young actor, man, it... I don't want her to get roasted online because of it, because it's not her fault. I feel like they should have really just kept the previous girl or brought somebody else to be this character for Cassie Alang. And, it, and it's tough. It is tough when you're given this role and you're not the most beloved new character. And it's not her fault. It's the script she was given. Because I've seen her in Detective Pikachu and a couple other films, and she's a great actress. And sometimes the writing is... Or like, it's just not there. And that's what I hope they kind of just do with the next MCU film. I'm not nervous for her, but if anything, 
the fact they pushed Ms. Mar- I mean, the Marvels six months from now means they're going to do a bunch of rewrites because they're scared that the script isn't subpar once again because, again, they're resting on the laurels. So Marvel, with that being said, you got to step your game up because DC's coming for you. That Flash Moose trailer looks amazing. Yeah, I know it's 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 a little bit uh, controversial to say that because of Ezra Miller, but it does look like a good movie. And if DC is ever to strike and become good and like compete, this is the time to do it because Marvel is now just trying to get their groove back where DC is finally reformatting their whole thing with James Gunn. So I hope... Everybody wins. It's not a competition. I watch both films, Marvel and DC. I'm sick and tired of tribalism in films because it's so dumb. It's like movies are movies. They're to be watched. Watch them all. And I do want competition to kind of like help breed better filmmaking. Like, oh, if DC movies are actually like making profit and actually getting rave reviews and Marvel's like, okay, you know, fired up to do, go back to what we know how to do best. And that's what I hope happens. So... With that being said, this has been the podcast mercenary Christian Joe Ramos back at it again. Till next time, thank y'all for tuning in to this long-winded review. I'm sorry, I'm trying to be positive as much as possible, but I also want to be a fair critic. I don't want to just just tiptoe around things. Like I gotta tell it how it is. This has been my review of the Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Thank y'all for tuning in as always. Take care. Enjoy the movies out there. And till next time, I'm out. Peace.